This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This podcast discusses themes that may be distressing to some. Support is available. You can contact QLife, which provides Australia-wide anonymous support for the LGBTIQ community. QLife services are free and include both telephone and web chat support delivered by trained LGBTIQ community members across the country. Call 1-800-184-527 or visit qlife.org.au to access the web chat. Hello and welcome to the latest in LGBTIQ plus health and policy, the podcast that brings you the health and well-being hot topic discussions that matter to LGBTIQ plus people. I'm your host, Triana Butler. Thanks so much for joining me. In the last few years, there's been a real focus on the way LGBTIQ plus communities are represented in the media, especially news media. Mon Shafter is a Walkley Award-winning journalist, producer, and presenter who has told countless stories for ABC TV's 7.30, as well as Hungry Beast, one of my favourites from way back, and a wide range of documentary projects as well. Mon is a non-executive director of LHA Member 2010, who provides support for young LGBTQIA people in New South Wales. And last year, they took on the role of content lead for a new ABC Instagram channel called ABC Queer, which they describe as a content experiment aimed at young LGBTIQA plus Australians so that they would never feel alone. They're joining the podcast today to talk about their work at ABC Queer, how we can better support young LGBTIQA plus people, and what's ahead for 2023. Now, as a heads up, this episode does discuss LGBTIQA plus conversion practices, which can be confronting for some. Unfortunately, conversion practices are still legal in some jurisdictions around Australia, and LHA and other organisations continue the fight to end these harmful practices. If you need support, you can call QLife or check out the show notes for a link to ABBI, who have resources, stories and support for those who need support with conversion practices. Well, it is so exciting to have you here, Mon. I've been a fan of yours since back at Hungry Beast on the ABC. So it's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for your time today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I know you do such great work with and for our LGBTIQ plus communities. What is it like being someone that everyone's looking up to? You're a bit of a role model, let's be real. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a great privilege to get to do the work that I do. Um, and when people call you a role model, like that's a little bit intimidating and a little bit scary because it's like, oh, I better be really good and not make mistakes and, you know, not do anything stupid because people are paying attention. But, you know, I suppose because I do have this platform to tell some pretty cool stories, it's kind of good to have that in mind because it makes you constantly improve and if you do sort of slip up, it's like own it learn from it, move on, be better next time. But, you know, I love telling stories about our diverse communities and it's a privilege that I get paid to do that. Like just this week I've been interviewing 78ers from the first Mardi Gras. I've been um, interviewing all sorts of sexuality and gender diverse pioneers from our communities and, like I get to sit down with these people and ask them all sorts of questions about their lives and how things have changed over time. And that is such a a privilege to be able to do that. 
sounds incredibly special. God, I'm going to have to check these out now. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I I know, obviously, you you have a long history as an incredible storyteller. Of all the stories that you've told, have there been any that have particularly impacted you that you can share with us today? Yeah, yeah, a whole lot. And both stories that are about our LGBTQIA plus communities and about, you know, the broader community as well. Um, I used to work on a a show called Hungry Beast that Andrew Denton produced and it was this really sort of eclectic current affairs slash comedy slash weird program where we could, you know, bring our full selves to the program and just sort of tell stories about whatever we were interested in. And um, I once did a story about gay conversion therapy and as a queer person, it's like, you know, I sort of come to that with my own opinions on this you know, horrible practice. But I wanted to provide a platform for three people who'd undergone this, you know, conversion therapy uh, and find out what their experiences were like. And in the, the people I chose to interview, so it was three gay guys or three same-sex attracted guys, two had gone through therapy and had come out the other side and are now living very happy gay lives, like they say the the therapy was traumatizing, horrific, and bullshit, and now they're they're happy, you know, as they are. But the third person in that story was living in like quote unquote a heterosexual lifestyle. So didn't deny the fact that he was sexually attracted to men, but because of his very strict religious beliefs, um, did not want to go down that path and was married to a woman, had children, and this was what he thought was best for him. So I told this story without voiceover, so I didn't editorialise it in a way. I interviewed the three of them and intercut their responses so that the viewer could watch this story and sort of come to their own opinion about what this practice, you know, means and whether, you know, it's right or damaging or whatever. And, I I mean, it was pretty clear that this practice is absolutely horrific Um, But it was a really challenging story to tell because I tried to be open-minded and, uh, yeah, and and, and the guy who was, again, in the inverted commas, living the heterosexual lifestyle was the same age as me and if it weren't for the fact that he was denying his homosexuality, we had a lot in common and I kind of liked him as a person, like we got along quite well. I interviewed him alongside his wife. So that was pretty epic. Uh, she was also really nice. So I was so curious, quite sad. Um, it was just really challenging because I wouldn't usually be in a situation like that, but I, I did have this access into a world through my work. Um, so that one just sticks out because it was a real challenging story to tell. But but as I said, in you know, presenting these three perspectives side by side, the audience could come to, you know, their own conclusions about, you know, this practice. Yeah, so that sticks out. But also um, more recently I um, host a podcast called Innies and Outies, which is about, um, you know, uniquely Australian stories about coming out and sometimes staying in. So, you know, we acknowledge the light and shade of people's coming out experiences. Um, And one of the, the people I spoke to um her name was Claire and she was from Bathurst in regional New South Wales um she was still married to her high school sweetheart and had a daughter and I think it was three four years prior to doing this interview with her she'd realized she was trans and had affirmed her gender and 
just, you know, hearing her tell me what it's like to be married to someone for like over 20 years and to realise who you are at that point and, and how life, you know, sort of gets, gets turned on its head, but also the happiness and joy that comes through that experience. And in that story, I interviewed Claire alongside her 14-year-old daughter, Mackenzie, and Mackenzie was just her biggest ally. And, like, they're living in regional New South Wales, and it was just this beautiful kind of affirming story. Um, in that interview, Claire mentioned that her parents had really struggled with her being trans and had struggled with using her name and her correct pronouns um, and hadn't been using them up to that point. And then after the story aired, she received a Christmas card from her parents that year and for the first time ever they addressed it to Claire. And, uh, yeah, and she she sent me an email with like a screen grab of the card and that made me feel pretty good and you know that that it's again just the privilege that I get to tell these stories and to reach a broad audience is is pretty amazing. I feel like both of these stories would have quite different reactions from the audience. You look at Hungry Beast, you know, that would have been, I want to say like early Twitter, early people realizing that they could live tweet television shows. Like it was a novelty at that point. Yeah. Versus innies and outies where, you know, responding to content that you've just consumed is is part and parcel of creating content now. So how have you found the reaction to your stories change over time? Yeah, you're right. Like, you know, these days we get a much more immediate response from audiences through social media. Um, I look after ABC Queer at the ABC, which is um, an Instagram account aimed at younger LGBTQIA plus people, as well as, the, you know, our allies and, and the people who love and affirm us all. Um, but yeah, people tell you straight away what they think of something. Fortunately, in the ABC queer space, a lot of the commentary re- we receive is really affirming and and lovely. It's like such a supportive environment, and we really, you know, get a lot of stories from young people who've told us how the stories we tell, whether it's through Instagram, the podcast, ABC TV, have helped them realize they're not alone. Has helped them have difficult conversations with people in their own lives you know some have not been out to their families they've heard other people share their stories and then that's given them the courage and the tools to be able to navigate those difficult conversations themselves so that's um that's pretty amazing you know back when hungry beast was on i think we launched in 2009 ran from about 2009 to 2011 and facebook was sort of just for me was like a new thing then and i did get a lot of younger queer people friending me on Facebook back in the day and that was at the time because Facebook was so new you just said yes to anyone who friend requested you and I remember just having all these Facebook friends who I didn't know but I did receive you know some really lovely messages from from queer kids back then as well so yeah social media I found has been a pretty positive thing. We're chatting with Mon Shafter. Mon, you were in Star Observer back in July and you emphasised be aggressively you, be, do not be afraid to be yourself, to trust your instincts. <laughs> Tell me about this advice. Do you live by this? How do you do it? <laughs> I try to, yeah. So Andrew Denton actually gave me that advice. He gave that advice to all of the young people who were working on this show, Hungry Beast, back in 2009. And that is such a rare thing in television. Television is usually a very controlled, risk-averse environment. So the fact that he gave us the space to bring 
our full selves to this program and to tell the stories that we wanted to tell was a, um, a real privilege. So for me, you know, throughout my whole career, that has been bringing my queerness to work. Like I've never, I've never hidden it. And I mean, I, I didn't realize I was queer until my early twenties. And that was sort of just after I'd finished uni. And, um, I was actually working in a TV development job at the time. So I had this pretty sweet job where I got to think up TV shows, like reality shows and game shows and kind of crazy stuff like that. And oh did any did any get up? Any that we would couple, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best ones didn't get up, but ones that got <laughs> up. There, there was a show called Carbon Cops on the ABC. It was like this um, reality show channel challenging energy guzzling families to cut their carbon emissions in half. And these two Enviro experts would come in and, you know, give the house this whole overhaul. Um, but what I found in coming out and learning to understand who I was, for the first time in my life, I could embrace my instincts and I had this internal barometer of what felt good and what felt bad. Whereas prior to that, I think I was just living in my head. All of my decisions were very cerebral and calculated, like, you know, like growing up and, and dating boys, it's like, okay, so he's good looking, he's smart, he likes Pearl Jam, yep we got to be a match, but there was never any heart or belly, you know, those kind of feelings in it. Then when I realised, um, you know, I was attracted to women, all of a sudden this animal instinct kicked in that I couldn't control. It had nothing to do with my brain. So, you know, of course, you, then you go and live this delayed adolescence in your 20s. <laughs> but in terms of work, that feeling of being able to trust my instincts allowed me to tap into, into my creativity and to know when I'd come up with a good idea for a story or a good idea for a TV show. And I'd never felt that before. And it just made me such a, a confident storyteller. Well, you have a column, Everyday Queer Advice, where you get asked a whole bunch of different questions. What sort of issues do you get asked about there? And, and how do you come up with responses for that? <laughs> sure, sure. That whole column is driven by the ABC Queer audience. So we've got about 30,000 followers on ABC Queer and it's this very rich and diverse community where we don't just feed them content. They suggest ideas and tell us what they think about stuff and we, then we take their ideas and we turn that into content. So we came up with this idea for Everyday Queer Advice where we would source dilemmas from our community. What topics do they want to know stuff about? Things like how do I date in regional Australia, how do I come out as non-binary at work? We get hundreds of suggestions. Then we choose a different one um, each month and then we put that question back out to the audience and we ask our queer peers to offer their advice in response to these dilemmas. So the whole thing is sort of user-generated content and I pretty much just go in and curate you know, the responses to make sure there's diverse perspectives in there. I sometimes bring, you know, my own two cents worth, uh, you know, to it, a bit, a bit of lived experience every now and then, but mostly it's all from the audience. We're chatting with Mon Shafter. Now, Mon, Christmas can be a really challenging time for some LGBTQI plus people. What advice, I mean, if we're going to do advice now, I know you just said that you don't get involved, but we're going to get you involved. <laughs> what can, how can people kind of, kind of get through this next couple of weeks? There's going to be a lot happening. It's going to be a real challenging time. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it certainly is. And I think, you know, we all know about this 
beautiful sense of chosen family that we have in our queer community where you don't have to you know be a, a blood relative of someone to have that deep deep soulful connection I would say to folks who are struggling and whose families perhaps aren't accepting to just you know surround yourself with chosen family your friends you know your besties who uplift you affirm you who love you and who let you be who you are um you know if it means skipping a family thing like I know that can be like skipping a biological family thing can cause a lot of dramas but like think about your mental health and what you know is best for your health and well-being and prioritize that um you know I, I think don't don't put too much pressure on yourself to make everything peachy at Christmas time because, you know, there are some very difficult conversations that, you know, we often have to have with our families and often our families really don't approach those in respectful ways. So don't you take all of that responsibility. It's kind of like I just think look after your own mental health and well-being and, and surround yourself with positive people. Beautiful advice. Well, Mon, before we wrap up, you always seem to be doing so much as we're looking ahead to the festive season and then 2023. I know you got to have a lot on next year. You're already doing ABC Queer, your co-chair at 2010. What else are you adding to that list in 2023? A baby. <laughs> oh, my God. So my partner, or, or should I say fiancé, Tara, is very pregnant and uh, we are expecting a baby in a few weeks. So congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> it's a pretty exciting time. Never, never been a parent before, so this is pretty wild. Um, the dogs will probably feel a bit put out because at the moment they do get all our attention. Um, so this Friday is my last day of ABC until February 6th. So I'm actually taking, you know, quite a few weeks off to, to be a parent and to learn how that works. And then I'm back for Sydney World Pride next year. And um, that is just going to be epic. You know, the, the biggest um, Pride event ever held in the Southern Hemisphere. And it happens to be in Sydney, which is my uh, hometown at the moment. Um, so, yeah, pretty excited about that. There's going to be a lot going on. It's going to be a shock to the system coming back from a break directly into World Prize. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mon. Really lovely to chat with you. And Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Oh, my pleasure, Triana. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Latest. LGBTIQ Plus Health Australia would like to thank Mon for joining us today on the podcast. If you would like to suggest an idea or a person for the podcast, you can send it through via email, info at lgbtiqhealth.org.au. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review on your podcast platform of choice. It does help the podcast get to more people. And finally, from everyone at LHA, and from us at Joy 94.9 we wish you a safe and enjoyable holiday season. Remember if this episode's raised any issues for you or if you need any support across the holiday season you can contact QLife on 1800 184 527 or you can visit qlife.org.au available 3pm till midnight every day. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.